0: Welcome to Mindset Matters, the official podcast of Oregon Realtors. In this podcast, we dive deep into the secrets of top performing agents, market trends, strategies, tips and tricks that will transform and elevate your real estate career to new heights. Follow or subscribe today and stay tuned for a podcast that's not just about real estate, it's about mastering the mindset for success. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Mindset Matters Podcast. Today, we have with us 1999 Oregon Realtors past president John Baker. John is going to share with you his tips on how to get wealthy with real estate investing. It's some great advice. Just got to follow it. There's a number of subject matters uh, under this topic of how to get wealthy that John will cover real estate pays five ways, what is a turnkey provider, how to get out of the rat race, all that stuff. So, John began his real estate career on June 6, 1977, with his parents' company in Salem, Oregon. He survived the market of the early 80s, where over 60% of the area's real estate force quit the business. He vowed to never place his finances in such a precarious position again, and took to heart his father's admonition, you have to invest in real estate. In 1986, some of you probably weren't even born, He married well, this is his words, not mine, he married well beyond his coverage to a wonderful woman who tolerated his dumb jokes, and they're still married. In 2010, he and his wife, Debbie, achieved financial freedom. John is going to give you all those tips so you, too, can achieve financial freedom. Welcome, John. Great, Great to see you.
1: Thank you for having me. Yes.
0: Well, let's jump right in. How did you get into real estate investing, and why do you think that's the golden ticket?
1: Well, uh, it was not... I was not intending, but uh, my grandmother Baker, when she passed away in 1978, surprisingly left me $2,000 in her will. And she also left my three siblings $1,000 each. And so I talked to my siblings into partnering with me and our $5,000 we used as a down payment on a home on Cherry Avenue right here in Salem, Oregon, $5,000 down on a $30,000 property and, uh, the seller carried back, uh, land sales contract. And, uh, over the years, my siblings who never really got into real estate investing I either bought them out or they just walked away. And so I held that property for 40 years then I sold that property in 2019 for $180,000, six times what I, uh, what, what we'd paid for it. And so, uh, Six times 600%, you know, divide by 40 years, that's 15% per year. And my question is, did real estate go up in value over those four years or 40 years, uh, 15% a year? The answer is no, it did go up relative to the yardstick of which you were measuring it with, Mm -hmm. which was dollars. And in 1971, uh, President Nixon took our dollars off the gold standard. And so after that and since that time our dollars have no backing. And so the problem that we have is we when government prints dollars it depreciates their value because you create supply. And so we're in a situation where assets are going up faster than wages and you can sense it out there when people are talking about uh their how hard they're working even with their wage increases the cost of goods that they're buying are, are going up faster.
0: So is it, if you're going to purchase a piece of real estate as an investment and you're looking at historical numbers, maybe for the neighborhood or similar size homes, do you not care about the equity, the appreciation? Is it more, I paid X dollars in 19 whenever or 2000, and now it's worth Y dollars? five years later, is that more important, looking at the dollar figure or the percentage of equity increase on the average?
1: Well, every year? As, as an investor, actually I don't care what happens to the price because uh, the sector that I am uh, specialize in is single family one to four. Um, and the reason for that is it's the only sector where I can get a 30 year fixed rate loan. We're the only country in the entire world that has 30 year fixed rate financing. And once you go above four units, there's no 30 year fixed rate product. So in other words, if the numbers work, I can lock in the numbers. And because of the five different ways a, a prudently leveraged piece of residential real estate uh, brings money my direction, uh, the price of it is just one thing, but usually, uh, you have one or two things that are doing much better than others, but I don't worry like stock where, which is really gambling, you win, if it goes up, you lose, if it goes down, if the property stays stable, I still have these other four ways.
0: So talk about what you mean by prudently leverage, and Um, lay terms.
1: Lay terms. Um, Well, typically you're gonna be putting 25% down. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's usually the the requirement, but I'm also uh, looking when I was evaluating a property, my rule typically was to buy the lowest valued quality home in the price range. Um, And from my experience in the property management, I didn't necessarily have to run the numbers, but but I knew okay. Certain aspects of the property, um, certain things that I liked uh, such as I preferred single level, so I wouldn't have a tenant disqualified if they couldn't handle stairs. Also, it's easier to get up on the roof and and clean gutters, easier to paint I don't have to to go high ladders, Uh, garages because tenants like to short uh, store their stuff. Um, and so I developed certain things. I like chain link fences because tenants have pets. I don't like wood fences because they rot and can be tagged. So I developed a, a list, which are, I you know, talk about in my book um, that provided the best uh, return for the investment.
0: So for someone who would be new, to mm-hmm. this what's the first step what how, what do you recommend how do you recommend someone get started like, wow this looks pretty how cool you, i can't be john baker but i gotta start somewhere well first, how do you assess
1: well where first to start? first they have to get into a investor mindset so i would probably recommend that they read a couple books and uh, there's podcasts and etc but uh the first book I think they should read is rich dad, poor dad. Uh, unfortunately I started investing, you know, back in 1978. And so rich dad, poor dad came out in 1997. I wish I would have read it back then that I think it would have helped in the intervening. Tell years. Tell about
0: that book. Tell us about that book. Summarize. What okay.
1: Is- well, the book, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, growing up in Hawaii has his father, who's a professional, uh, professor, um, that's the poor dad and his friend, best friend's dad is the rich dad. The poor dad says, you know, go get a job, uh, you know, get promoted, you know, get the benefits, etc." And the, and the rich dad has learned the tax code and learns that the tax code is over 98% incentives and less than 2% rates. And so if you conform your conduct to things that the government wants done that they can't do themselves, such as a business owner providing jobs, there's tax incentives for that. For real estate investors, there's, there's benefits when you provide housing. And when you get onto uh, that side of the equation, in a subsequent book called The Cash Flow Quadrant, he splits up the employees into four different groups. You have the W-2 employee who pays the second highest tax rates of the four quadrants. Um, And then you have the self-employed of which most our members are because they pay both sides of the employment tax. Okay. And then you have large business owners who get tax benefits for employing people. And then the, the, the quadrant that pays the least or has the ability to pay the least are real estate investors. And the reason why the real estate investors can, uh, pay the least is because one of depreciation. In other words, if they buy a property that's slightly cash positive, this paper loss, 3.7% of the improvement value that they get to over the 27 and a half years. If it takes it negative, you pay no tax. And then on top of that, you can, when you refinance, that's a tax free event.
0: Are you a CPA on the side?
1: No, I'm not. Oh. Okay.
0: Well, you're very knowledgeable. You're we- probably knowledgeable, the m- <laughs> more knowledgeable than most CPAs.
1: I do a lot of reading. And so it- uh, when you, uh, you can refinance, which is a tax-free event and buy more property, acquire more depreciation. And if all your rentals are slightly positive and the depreciation takes it negative, then you pay uh, no tax. Wow. And then the other major benefit is you can do a 1031 exchange and defer capital gains and depreciation recapture for your entire life. And then, which is our plan, my wife's and my plan, and our heirs, our children, will inherit the properties at the stepped up basis, which means that they will, they will have to deal with the estate tax. I will be dead, okay? <laughs> and uh, thankfully so. Uh, but anyway, um, they will have the properties evaluated to pay the estate tax in the state of Oregon And so the properties will be appraised. They will inherit the properties at the appraised value. If they choose, they could sell the property at that point at what it appraises for, pay no tax. If they choose to keep it, they can depreciate that property all over again for another 27 and a half years. Isn't that
0: double dipping? No. So you can depreciate based on the appreciation, the stepped-up basis amount, or, or the
1: total? Well, let, uh, let's give you, it, give you an example. Okay. Um, let's say a property uh, I paid $200,000 for. Mm-hmm. And when I pass away, uh, it's worth 400000 And let's say that the improvement value is three hundred of that 400000 so that 300,000 can be depreciated over 27 and a half years. Okay. So that would be about 10 or $11,000 a year. So just think think about that. If you had a property that had $6,000 in excess income over all your expenses, and then you have this $11,000 depreciation number, you pay no tax, even though you're Technically, you had more money come in on that property than than uh, what went out, and then on your all your properties they they're in one bucket. So this was up four thousand, this was down three thousand, and you just take all the results, and then that's the number that gets transferred forward for.
0: How many properties were you in before you figured all this out?
1: Well, do you want? I mean, is how many I have now.
0: No, I assume you became aware of this tax instead of many, many years ago when you began investing, or somewhere. Well, I would country.
1: say the the benefits really started coming in the nineties, um, but it w- wasn't until after I started reading books from from Tom Wheelwright CPA, uh, and you know certainly Robert Kiyosaki, uh, but other, uh, and listening to podcasts.
0: What podcasts do you recommend? Besides um, this one, of course.
1: Before, okay. Get Rich Education, for sure. For uh, weekly podcasts, I listen to them every week. Um, I'll have a story about how it saved me a bunch of taxes. Um, the real estate guys, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad radio, um, real estate strategies with, uh. Ken McElroy. And then I just found another one where it's actually two CPAs Mm. that are talking and they're talking about, uh, this new corporate requirement that you have to register, um, uh, this year, all, all LLCs and corporations have to file. This is a national security requirement. So, um, and then of course I'm learning about, you know, cost segregation studies and all that. Uh, we don't need to go into that <laughs> today. But, um, and I just met with my CPA this morning and went over uh, my taxes and and uh, asked him strategy uh, for the future.
0: And what'd you walk away with? What good tips?
1: Well, um, still uh, taking, well, one of the main, main things is whether it, Still makes sense for for me to purchase uh, depreciation through buying tax advantaged assets. Um, you need to be an accredited in- investor to invest in this particular type asset, um, which is an ATM fund. So let me backtrack a little bit, and maybe we can circle back and make more sense. So I I left our story about selling the property on Cherry Avenue in two thousand nineteen. Well, that was actually part of a 1031 exchange. Uh, after this, unfortunately, back in the 70s, you never thought about investing outside your own neighborhood. Um, it wasn't until the internet came on that you realized that hey, I can now evaluate and and develop relationships with trusted advisors and and. Turnkey providers, etc., that are outside my neighborhood, that are in states that uh, better respect capital, and so, um, so I, in this particular case, when they started talking about rent control, I said I've got all of properties, all my properties in Oregon, so I decided to uh, spread my risk, and so we coupled uh, three of our rentals and did a 1031 exchange, closed them all within two days of each other, and then bought four properties up in Spokane all within one week. Um, And the problem is with a 1031 exchange is you can't pull money out um, to do the repairs and you can get the best price when you fix a property up. So my wife and I uh, sold one of our other properties without doing a 1031 exchange. And you do the prudent thing by calling your CPA and say, okay, uh, how much am I going to be paying? And so Elliot got back to me the next day. Well, I estimate that you're going to pay $40,000 in capital gains and depreciation recapture tax. And I said, you know, that hurts. it, It hurts. Okay. So, but we needed that money to fix up the three properties here so that they would make nice homes for the, eventual buyers and then to fix up the four properties up there for our new tenants. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in the book, rich dad, poor dad, rich dad said, I never use the term I can't instead. He always says, how can I? In other words, that's the way you open up your mind to possibilities. So, early in, this was early in the year. So for months I'm reading books, you know, how can I avoid paying that $40,000? How can I, in other words, I got my antenna up, et cetera. And so, um, and as fortune would have it in November of 2019, on get rich education, Dave Zook of real asset, investors came on and talked about an ATM fund. Now the ATM machines you think are owned by the banks. No, they're owned by syndications. Okay. And so he has the, he was representing that you could buy a into some ATMs. Now you had to be an accredited investor by that. I mean, there's two ways to become a accredited investor. One is to have household income, if you're single of $200,000 or more for the last two years, or if you're married 300,000 for the last two years and expected for the next year, we've never made that amount of money. So the other one is that you need to have a net worth of a million dollars not including the equity in your principal residence. So in other words, here's another reason why don't park all your equity in a principal residence, you need to spread it, diversify. So we were qualified. So in exchange for $104,000, okay, for the six ATMs, it's in a fund, it isn't, like buying one on 1st and 2nd Street, whatever. It's like a group,
0: a collective of a number of ATMs. Right, 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 right.
1: okay. In exchange for that $104,000, because ATMs have a seven-year life and then they're replaced because they get used up. So there's no depreciation recapture because they actually deplete. So $104,000 and you get $2,200 a month for seven years. So that's 184,800 dollars a back for $104, thousand investment, right? That's not bad. No, okay. But because of the bonus depreciation provisions in the Tax Reform Act of 2017, we were able to depreciate the entire purchase price of $104, thousand dollars in 2019. Do you see what's happening? Yes. Now, so we're in a thirty. Deb and I were in about a thirty-three percent tax bracket: twenty-three fed, ten state. Thirty-three percent of one hundred and four thousand is about thirty-five thousand dollars. So, instead that year of paying forty thousand dollars to the feds, my wife and I paid less than two thousand dollars. So, let's unpack that a little bit.
0: Yeah, you're going to have to dumb that one down. You're going to have
1: to. Let's unpack that a little bit. Yes. So, when people are over here the employee and the self-employed, they get paid on the ordinary income side, okay? Well, because we have invested in real estate, we have passive income on the passive side. So while we're going to have to pay this $40,000 bill, we depreciate, we get to claim this $104,000 cost which wipes out $104,000 of our rental income over our expenses, which we would pay taxes on. Hmm. So you can see how you, if you have tax coming on this side, you can alleviate it by the passive income on, on this other side.
0: Okay, so this, whew, how a lot. Yeah. But you have a very keen interest in learning about this, which is what you did. Let's yeah. just assume the majority of us, we, we want to get rich, but yes. we don't want to have that in-depth knowledge. Who would be your trusted advisor to help someone along who isn't going to read and get up to speed the way you and your wife
1: have? Well, Okay. If you're not willing to, you, you need to- I want to do you know, it, but I just do don't want
0: to have to personally get knowledgeable on how to well, do it successfully, I want someone to tell me who is like I, you.
1: I would <laughs> I would get my free book online. Okay, talk okay, about your it. book. Okay, uh, this is a book I wrote uh, a couple years back, and this is my gift back to the to the industry that's treated me so wonderfully. But chapter twelve is invest to be the best. It's thirty pages long. It talks about what makes the best uh, investment. It has some examples of of the special treatment that you get, it's uh, a, a good way. And then most importantly in the back, there's four pages of books that I've read, the podcasts, um, talking about uh, different, uh, you know, different aspects of real estate investing. Um, so it's a great place to start. Um, and then, you know, listen to the podcasts. I, I go out and exercise. I'm. I, walk, do a lot of walking. And so I'll listen to a podcast or multiple podcasts if I'm out for, you know, two, three, four hours. And so, uh, I just absorb it and, uh, it's made a, a big difference in the ability to grow your wealth. Hmm.
0: Say that that might make my walk, my exercise, my 30 minute walk might feel like five hours.
1: Well, do you want to have another story?
0: Uh, please. Okay. Is it gonna help me get rich?
1: Yes. Okay then, Okay, let's do it. This is another reason why uh, owning real estate. Um, So I, uh, when I owned my real estate firm, I created a self-directed 401k profit sharing plan. And when I sold the company, uh, the people rolled out. And so I own three pieces of real estate in it. I'm not a big believer in stocks. Uh, Um, but, um, this last year I had the opportunity to sell one of the properties. It's in my 401k. Yes, you can own property in a 401k. Um, you can also, uh, establish a QRP, a qualified retirement program.
0: Holy mackerel.
1: So that. When you okay, this is a checkbook control. In other words, you can control your retirement. You can invest in Bitcoin. You can invest in, in silver, platinum. You can invest in real estate, et cetera. The downside of investing in, uh, real estate within your four hundred one k is it isn't the best thing to have a tax shelter within a tax shelter. I don't declare the income on the rentals in there, but I don't get to declare depreciation or any of the expenses. So really it's almost made it like a stock mm-hmm. is cause now I'm a, I'm having to depend on the value going up. So, uh, I sold one of the properties and, uh, so the proceeds go back into the 401k. That's a no tax event. And then I said, okay, I'm going, as I'm approaching, I'm 68 years old now, so I have to start thinking about having cash or equivalent in my 401k, because once I get to 72 and a half, I have to start taking mandatory distributions. And so um, with the uh, real asset advisors, I took one third of the proceeds of the sale, and I purchased a Tommy car wash fund, which for, I give them $100,000 and they give me $275,000 back in five years. So there's my cash coming in at about the time that that I need to be taking mandatory distributions. I took a distribution of $104,000 out and bought an ATM fund, okay? Now just think what's happening here. Everyone else who has a... 401k or IRA when they pull it out are going to pay ordinary income tax. Okay, well I did it again. I pull 104 thousand dollars out. It wipes out over here 104 thousand dollars of income on my rentals. So in effect, I've taken either a low tax or a no tax withdrawal out of my 401k. That's because I own real estate. You know, I hope the light you bulbs own are going real
0: estate in your 401k that gives you or owns real estate over here. So you take yes. that money and because you're using it for this over here, this real estate either it's
1: well, what tech. I'm doing, what I'm doing is because I own properties just mm-hmm. not in my 401k right. that are producing income. Yep. So I, I mask $104,000 of that income. If I'm in a 33% tax bracket, that, cancels out 34000 If I had just taken it out and I'm at 33%, I'd pay 34000 over here. So effectively, because I own passive income sources over here, I can take out essentially either a no tax or a low tax withdrawal. You can't do that if you don't own real estate. See,
0: you make it sound so easy. So let's, yeah. let's go back to... Okay. I would consider you to be an advanced investor. Now you started yes. somewhere. You've done this a lot of years. So you've yes. learned probably a lot of ups and downs over the years and tips yeah. and tricks. But for those of us that <laughs> don't have the patience, the stamina, or the desire to, I know that sounds so, I get rich. I just want to get rich without the consequences. There's con- potential consequences. I just don't want to do all the homework. I want someone else. How would you advise someone who isn't, Interested in becoming as savvy as you? They want they want to invest, and they might have some money. Maybe they don't. How do you get started if you're not you?
1: Okay, well, uh, I would uh, you know Get Rich Education. Their website has multiple uh, turnkey providers. Got it. Now, what a turnkey provider is is a is a uh, company that has acquired a property that needed fixing up. They have fixed it up. Uh, we're talking new roof new cabinets, new carpet, new paint, new furnace, whatever. It is totally fixed up. A tenant has been placed in it. It's under property management. All you have to do is buy the property, okay? And so there are turnkey providers in places that are uh, where you can get better numbers than you can in Oregon. Right now what's going on is wealth is moving from the West, to the Southeast, and from the Northeast to the South in the U.S. Just Why? Because
0: of property values?
1: Well, I'll, just this year, the GDP of the Southern states now exceeds the GDP of the Northeastern states. And the reason is, is tax policy affects behavior. And so you have people that are moving to states where say, Tennessee or Florida, no income tax, okay? Um, so the, what states are growing the most? North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, Texas. Uh, just this last year, uh, the wealthy moving out of the state of Oregon, excuse me, state of California, uh, took a third of a billion dollars worth of tax revenues with them. That's a lot. It's, it's huge. And that's why you see the coastal states in 2022, all the West coast states, uh, Alaska, Washington, Oregon, California, and Hawaii, all lost population. And so people are moving. And so the best places with the best, uh, rent to purchase price ratios tend to be in the Midwest and South. That's why Memphis, Tennessee, uh, as an example, Memphis, Tennessee, the home that I'm buying, mm-hmm. it's a two bedroom, one bath home with 792 square feet. I'm paying $115,000 for it. Okay. The property taxes are $454 a year, a year. Wow. The insurance is 632. Um, and, uh, the rent is $975 a month. Now, one hundred fifteen thousand is one third of what I what I sold the property in Salem for. So if we multiply that by three, that would be an income of twenty nine twenty five per month with property taxes of uh, uh, thirteen hundred and fifty dollars. The property I sold had rent of fifteen hundred dollars a month and property taxes of thirty two hundred dollars. Do you see? So I was with one third the value of the property sold in Oregon. I got two thirds of the income coming back. That's why. That's why the people here in in power, they have no clue what's as going on. As in here
0: as in the state of Oregon. Yes. How many rentals do you have now here, in Oregon?
1: Uh, seventeen.
0: And what are you? what's your plan with their inventory? If Are you saying Oregon's not a great place to be an investor, real estate investor?
1: No, I'm, I would say depending on what type of investor you are. So if you were brand new, wanting to start right now, I would say go the turnkey route is probably better for you. But I'm a 45 year investor. I'm well capitalized here. My properties are in, top notch condition the median length of stay of my tenants here in Oregon is 7 years wow. my average is 10. Point, or 11.8 years so let's let's round that to 12 years and if i can do a turn one month between tenants that means i'd have one month vacancy every 12 years that is a 0.7% vacancy rate. And as an investor, uh, I'm always plugging in a five percent vacancy rate. So in other words, I'm getting four points better than expected. And so I'm probably gonna stay right here because Mm -hmm. my errors are right here. Um because I can beat out any competitor and most any any new investor that really thinks about it, isn't going to invest here anyway. So I'm probably pretty good. And I've also probably, since my tenants are almost like family, I have one tenant that just passed her 52nd anniversary with us in a fourplex that my parents built in 1971. You
0: must be a really good landlord. Um, Really nice. You don't raise rent. Well, now you can't.
1: Well, well, okay. I'm
0: being facetious. Let's,
1: let's talk about that. Um, I do believe that being a landlord is also a reflection of your character. And I wish the people that considered tenants second-class citizens would get out of the business because the whole reason why we have rent control is because the tenant advocates could point at some really big jerks. um, Which
0: every profession has. uh, Right, right. uh,
1: To, to pass policy that is ultimately going to hurt tenants. Um, so just as an example, um, the property management company here, if we do an annual inspection. I'll get 50 pictures, et cetera. Anything that's found is instantly fixed. Um, uh, the tenant is encouraged to call because you know, if they, if they don't call on a problem, it's going to be more expensive yes. to fix. They're encouraged. They're not penalized. Um, the, uh, so we, we fix the property. They get the message that they want it taken care of. Um, they pay the rent on time. If there's a problem, we'll go with them, you know, etc. Et and the most important thing is we let them have their privacy and, and enjoy their life. But I can tell you how things have been progressing, which is which is pretty sad because I always thought my position was an interim person between you know, renting a place home ownership and then getting onto home ownership. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a property. Uh, we just had inspection this last week. Um, I purchased it. It was a foreclosure in 2004, fixed it up. As it turns out, one of our owners in our property management that we were managing for was wanted to sell a property and had a great tenant in there. And so I went over to the tent with the owner's permission because it's easier to sell a home that's vacant. Um, and I said, hey, I'm fixing a home over here. You know, uh, if you want to take a look at it, you know, the rent will be the same. You don't have to requalify because they already know your character. And uh, they went over there and they loved it. And they're still there. 20 years later, they are still in that property. And it just had this inspection and the carpet has to be replaced. So it used to be that, oh gosh, every four or five years we could replace mm-hmm. the term. Now I'm having to replace carpet while the tenants are still there because the tenants are, are effectively becoming trapped, you know? And, 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 and the whole reason is because there's not enough supply.
0: But is there, and some may argue there's not enough supply because there's too many investors buying up homes which i'm not saying this is right or wrong but that is an argument there's investors are purchasing too many homes which take them off the market for home buyers
1: what well home buyers tenants need a place to stay too 37% of of households are tenant households right because we have a 60 in the state of oregon we have 63% homeownership. I read the email that you sent this morning from the RPR 63 point and, and change. So no tenants need a place, to, they place do. to stay too.
0: Well, we hear that that's a problem. There's right. not enough, but yes, I well, gotcha. But,
1: but I guess the thing is it, it doesn't matter if you, if you don't, if there's not enough uh, housing for homeowners and there's not enough housing for tenants, the landlord isn't the problem it's the bureaucracy that's a problem that prevents Ooh. the the supply from being created isn't it
0: yeah all well, that's definitely yeah. a big
1: problem but also i gotta let you know that one of the things that that i did was to form partnerships and one of the partnerships was with the home builder and so we actually built homes build to rent and so i still we still own okay, some so of those back homes. Back to
0: John, you being an incredibly savvy, smart yeah. investor, and it, clearly it's something you're passionate about, which yes. is why you enjoy learning so much right. about it. Right. But for those of us that are passionate about making income and getting wealthy without having to acquire the knowledge you do to do it successfully, you recommend a turnkey provider. So, yeah. let me ask you this: If someone wants to go that route, mm-hmm. what do they charge? say you bought a $200,000 house. Mm-hmm. And when we say turnkey provider, it's ready to go. I could buy it from you. It's furnished. It's ready, put it on the market or a tenants already in it.
1: Tenants already in it.
0: So how do they, how, how much, what do turnkey providers make. Is it a, mo- a monthly fee or you pay them once and well, they're,
1: they're out. Well, they're, they're your property manager. They, they do the whole thing. They do the whole, the start to finish. So they have, so let me tell you the the one I'm dealing with in Memphis, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. they have a warehouse. They buy direct, they don't go to Home Depot. And so all their cabinets are standard, whatever. So their cost to fix the property up is so much less so they can offer a property at a a decent price. So they're they're banking on your continued uh, patronage by, them getting an income off the property management. Mm -hmm. But this particular one, since they fixed it all up, they cover any expense during the first year. And then there's turnkey providers right now that are buying down rates. I was just listening to a podcast today, uh, Get Rich Education. You could talk to some of their people that charge nothing and put you in touch and make arrangements where turnkey providers are providing uh, housing at Five and a quarter, five and three quarters percent interest. This is non-owner occupied. Is that
0: what you're doing on your out-of-state no. property? You're managing all your own properties, whether no, you're no, in,
1: uh, no. The one in no, they're going to manage. They're going to manage the one in But you found the
0: property and you hired a property manager. Not you didn't.
1: No, I no, you I'm didn't. dealing with a turnkey provider. Got it. Okay. And they're going to manage it all that.
0: But wouldn't an investor they could use a turnkey provider to find the property to buy. So, from start to finish, it's not just you find a property in Memphis on your own and then you hire a property manager. It's you can, their, you their can end do on that. The front end.
1: You can do that. But the thing is, since they're providing it all, I can do my due diligence, check their reputation, et Got cetera, it. and they're stellar. So, uh,
0: do you provide that service here for people who want to invest in Oregon?
1: I don't list and sell anymore uh, because I'm financially free. I don't. I don't, I'm not interested in ordinary income. I make my income passively.
0: So is this your job now? You're retired yes. from brokerage.
1: Right. You uh, right. manage your own. I Well, I teach classes for free. I write books for free. This is my give back, you know, for, um, and so, uh, just this last Saturday, I sat down with a couple in Bend and for two hours, talked to them. I'd already given them, books, et cetera. And they're so excited because they've, they've recognized, uh, how to get out of the, the way to get out of the rat race to start building their passive income because like everyone else, let me describe what the rat race is. I was going
0: to say it's a book, right?
1: Yeah. Well, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, describes it and I've, I've got it written down here. Um, is, um, go to college get a degree get a job buy a house buy a car open a 401k and as your income goes up buy a bigger nicer car bigger house etc and the problem with that is is it, it it puts all the pressure on two income streams your jobs and we're we're taught in this rat race to set aside some money and put it off for the future okay well, how do you know you're going to live to the future? My mother did not make it to age 61. Okay, and that's another you know wake up call for me. Is instead of living below your means and putting, how about during your life, your one and only life, expand your means, build your cash flows during your life, which provides a safety, a safety net. And how did I come to this? Um, because I I wrote that goofy introduction in 1983. um, I remember it was the middle of February. I had three weeks of money left. I'm sitting in a home. I have not enough money to make my next month's house payment. I've, I have enough money to buy food. I'm two years behind in my property taxes and I'm working with my parents and I'm, you know, and And so I prayed, and I said, "God, am I in the right place? And I remember on March second nineteen eighty three I sold three homes on that one day. I had never done it before i've never never done it since, and that those three were the just the nudge to keep me going, and I look at what has happened in my life since and and so after that, I made a promise. I am not going to put myself in the rat race. I didn't call it that because I didn't hadn't read the book right. yet. I'm not going to put myself in positions. Fortunately, I was single, but if I was going to be married with a family, I am not going to put myself in a position where I'm going to jeopardize, you know, the financial well-being of people that I love. And, uh, so yes, that's been the motivation. And my father's admonition um, to buy real estate. When he died in 2010, he owned three properties, a duplex, the fourplex that I own now, and then the Ned Baker real estate complex, which had 12 rental units and then the office space. And so he told me one time that that was producing about $80,000 a year. And he, he had no pension. He had Social Security. He'd been a real estate broker for 35 years. And he, he lived a, a great, wonderful life, financially free.
0: So it was a good role model for you. Yeah. So you remained, you began your investment career in the 80s. 78, like,
1: 1978, 1978 is my first one. But I didn't, the thing was, is then I had the the desert experience, the Moses in the desert in 1983. Um, I didn't get my next one until 1989, I believe.
0: So how many did you have in
1: 1983?
0: In 83? Yeah. Just one. Okay. Uh, And it took you a while. You started in 78. Yeah. So it took you a while to acquire. I mean, it's been a lot of years of acquiring multiple properties, but how many years were you just one in trying to figure out what's next? Well, financially.
1: Well, the investment? I, I, in 1978, um, I purchased my principal residence and then I had at the second, the rental home on Cherry. Um, in 1986, when I met my bride, um, when we got married, I moved in with her. And so I moved out of my principal residence, which that's a home I still own as well. So we started out our career with two rental properties, and then we formed a partnership. And uh, well, and then a property came available, my wife's grandparents parents' home, uh, which they bought in 1946. Uh, we purchased that from from uh, their estate, and then. Uh, in 1991, we formed a group of four, four couples. It was called Eight's Enough, a partnership, because eight is enough. I and get it. Uh, and uh, what was great is uh, our home builder partner uh, grew up out east, you know, the Almsville area. And all these farmers had were sitting on a whole bunch of cash. And so what we did is on the guarantee of eight people that were all working uh, we would give them first position in, in, uh, either a purchase or a property that we built. And so we were using hundred percent. Um, so our home builder would build a home, wouldn't charge a profit. So we would make money just by building the home, we would get a hundred percent financing, paying them 10% interest at the time. And so the two, uh, So the one partnership formed, and then the home builder and I formed another partnership because we were doing all the work. And so over the 30 years, we turned uh, 20,000, each couple had put $20,000 in. We turned that into a million dollars for each couple. Just using the time.
0: Yes, so you've seen a lot of markets with interest rates high and low. So right now, I'm sure some people are listening thinking interest rates are high. Inventory availability is low would now be a good time to start?
1: Um, My rule is you always buy when you have the opportunity uh, for a property that makes sense, okay? So it doesn't matter what the interest rates are. This property in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, I talked about, Mm -hmm. uh, even if I'm paying cash for it, okay? But I did the numbers as if you were doing a a 25% down. Um, that comes out as a 7% cap rate. And I figured it at 7% interest, but you could get less if you were dealing with some of these turnkey providers. But what that point is, is if you can get a cap rate up to the same rate as the interest rate, that's something you should consider buying.
0: For those listeners who might not know, what's a cap rate?
1: Okay. Cap rate. What does that mean? Capitalization rate. Mm -hmm. It is the income that the, uh, asset produces not, it doesn't include financing. Okay. Divided by the value of the asset. So let's say you bought a home for a hundred thousand dollars and it brings in $10,000 after property taxes, insurance and all that. You're not. Yeah. 10,000 divided by a hundred thousand is 10%. That would have a 10% cap rate. Most, so that's m- pretty good. That Oh, that'd be excellent. <laughs> Cause most, most multi now are, you're down, clear down to like three or 4% cap rate. And I don't deal with multifamily because right now the multifamily is having a, a lot of problems because the quick raise of the the Fed with these interest rates. And so they're having to renegotiate and what was a investment that made sense. Now it doesn't make sense when you're going from say a 4% interest rate to an 8% interest rate. And the same thing's happening in the office sector, where because of COVID, you've got people working from home. And so you have the renegotiation and those sectors are just getting chewed up because they can't permanently lock in their interest rate. So that's why for starters, I'm not saying don't get involved in that, but a single family home is usually the best first step because it's the easiest to achieve for the, the beginner.
0: So if somebody came to you, I think you should offer your services.
1: i anyone, uh, hopefully in the show notes, I'm, I gave my contact information. So any of the realtors want to call up, I'll talk to any of them.
0: Now what about actually doing it? Not just talking, doing the work. Hi, John, I'm calling to hire you to help me get rich. Okay. No. How much do you have? And you can say, this is, well, if you have X, this is what we should do. Here's how much I'll charge. It's just, it's a lot. You make it sound so easy, which well, up well, once you do it, it probably becomes more second major. but
1: I'm happy to share, but I'm not a CPA. I'm not an attorney. Okay. Um, I'm happy to share the wealth of my experience. That's part of the preamble of our code of ethics, right? Okay. Um, because others before me have shared with me, I'm just passing on what you know was passed on to me. And then adding in a little touch of extra work that I love math and this other stuff. You love
0: math. See, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Most people don't.
1: Yeah. It's awful. That's why you have a CPA. Uh,
0: Yeah. So you'd have a team. You'd have a sort of like your eight is enough. You have a team of people. There's one expert in accounting, one locating properties.
1: See, a property is not the first. That isn't the first consideration. It's having a team, uh, a property, a competent property manager is worth more than any particular property. So you want to make sure you're dealing with a good property manager before you're investing, and making sure you have a good, good uh, attorney to if you're going to be setting up LLCs as well as uh, you know trusts and things like that, as well as a CPA that knows the code regarding passive and, and, uh, you know, the high level, uh, not just, you know, your, your CPA should own real estate themselves and know all the ins and outs of the taxes. So
0: if someone wanted to start doing this, Mm -hmm. even to learn at the level you have Mm -hmm. acquired, could they call you? Sure. And you could say, here's some people I might recommend if you want to start out, you don't have the John, sure. you're a wealth. You're a wealth. Sure. No pun intended. I love using you, that. You're a wealth of knowledge. You well, really are. You've done amazing things and with real estate. And what a great role model for all the agents you've trained over the years and your yeah. kids. And it sounds yeah. like you and your wife are set and enjoying retirement.
1: Yeah. I have a gr- and having, having a great your time. hobbies of yeah.
0: purchasing or working on your investment property.
1: I enjoy that and and other things. Uh, all three of our kids own real estate, uh, two oldest daughters already have, uh, one daughter has one rental and the one has two. Um, our son's going to school and very proud of him. He served our country in the Marine Corps and he's house hacking. In other words, he has two roommates and they with through their rent. He's, they're paying his payment. And I'm saying, God, ship off the old Yes, block.
0: that's right. He learned, yeah. he learned from the best. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exciting. Tell your son, thank you for serving yeah. our country. Yeah. John, thank you as always for sharing your time and mm-hmm. expertise with our listeners and our members. You are so valuable. Any closing comments on getting rich?
1: On getting quick? rich.
0: Not quick, but getting rich. Um, how much? Okay, one last question. Here's yeah. my closing question. For the beginner, mm-hmm. how much should they come to the table with? Whether they do it on their own or they work in a partnership, a team, someone else helping to get something to get them started
1: in order to purchase. Yes. Well, one of the things if they read the book, it talks about ways that you can, because many of the people already have funds in a 401k IRA or some, some other, or you could establish a HELOC to get mm-hmm. the funds to, to start. So that's, that's the first uh, step. Um, the other is again, doing some reading, setting up your team. Uh, this couple that I met with last, uh, Saturday, I gave them my CPAs number to call. Um, and, and so setting up your team and then, you know, making sure, um, that you're both on board. If you're, if you're a partner, if you have a partner or partners, you have to make sure you're on board and with the same investing horizon. Um, fortunately, with the eights and F partnership, all of us, none of us were gonna take a distribution or anything like that. We were in it for the long haul and none of them was going to say, I want my cash out now. No, it was, we had a partnership agreement that penalized someone that came out early. And That's so, where
0: you need a good attorney to draft your partnership it, it, agreement. That's it, exactly that part's
1: so. So having an attorney, yes, when you're-
0: Hate them till you need them.
1: Uh, I have a positive, uh, impression of attorneys in my world because <laughs> they truly care about you know making you set up a system that will uh, you know be safe as well as easily understood and not cause problems when you no longer have the capacity to make changes yeah
0: so as you approach Five years, six years, 72 and a half. Are you going to stay in Oregon and still get back with teaching and assisting or what's your long-term plans for you and your wife?
1: Well, I, I've talked a lot about and, and I've gotten up and made proclamations at the realtor meetings about you moving out of state in order to save a bunch in, in uh, inheritance tax. Um, however, my kids uh, came to me this last fall and said, Dad, we want your presence. We don't want your money, and oh. so um, very touching. Yes, and so you know, they don't um, really mean that. Huh? No, I'm kidding. They do mean that. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. They, you know, after our yes. ac- accident, they all came and helped us out and everything else. And it changes and, uh, your
0: perspective a little bit on life and what's yeah.
1: important. And our kids like hanging out with us. Love Isn't it. that amazing? That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah.
0: And you have grandkids too. So you I get have a two four grandkids,
1: one. four grandkids, yeah. Right. And Good. I've got a grand a two grand dogs. Uh one daughter has a dog and our son has a nice. dog. So,
0: so yeah. I guess she'll be sticking around.
1: I plan to stick around, Good. yes. Good. Yeah.
0: Thank you, John. Yeah. Thank,
1: Thank you for you. what mem- you do.
0: The members are very lucky to have you, and so am I hmm. and the rest of the Oregon Realtors team. Okay. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Have a great day.
0: You too. Hmm.